Hi there, welcome back to the Blissful Bliss Podcast. I'm your host, Susanna Riker, and today I have a very special guest for you. I'm talking to Ned Kendall, who's a successful yoga teacher based in San Francisco, and we talk about how he moved his business online in the pandemic, teaching online and offline or in person in real life. Which sounds weird because, I mean, online, teaching online is real as well. But you know what I mean, right? And um, we also talk about where this journey is going. What, like, what's next? How can you combine online and offline? So Ned shares some really valuable insights and experiences that are sure to enlighten your own way of teaching and approaching how you run your business. I loved our conversation and I can't wait for you to meet him. So let's dive in. Hey there, welcome to the Blissful Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Susanna Riker, here to help yoga and wellness entrepreneurs build a thriving online business. If you're ready to make a bigger impact and earn money online, you are in the right place. Each week you learn about websites, digital products, social media strategies, and what's working now to build your online business. And now let's get started. Hi, Ned. Welcome to the Blissful Bliss Podcast. Hi, it's good to be here. So excited to have you here. So for um, all our listeners who don't know you yet, can you quickly introduce yourself and what you do? Yeah, my name is Nat Kendall. I am a yoga instructor and I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've been teaching for what feels like a lifetime or perhaps a day, somewhere in between all of that. And uh, I'm also a surfer and musician. And life is good. <laughs> Why is it so many yoga teachers come from San Francisco? Is it because like it started there? Do you think like back in the day in the Western world? Or I mean, obviously yoga didn't start there, but when it came to the Western world, I think. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, and, you know, so many of my colleagues and my friends are also in the yoga world in some capacity. And I think that San Francisco and the Bay Area at large really attracts mindful, healthy, eco-conscious people that are willing to be a bit more progressive and um, transformative. And I, I think that is conducive for, you know, yoga in all its facets. And I think people are drawn to that. And I think it's been a hub for that for several decades and hopefully will continue to. Yeah, for sure it will. I mean, I think yoga is just like getting more and more popular. And I think it's a good thing. The more people do yoga, the better. It's, you know, like everybody's um, going to um, get surfed by it. I don't know. I'm looking for the right word. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, so um like, is it like a really big yoga scene in San Francisco where you are? So like, do you know a lot of um, yoga teachers? Do you still go to yoga studios and classes, like a big community or? Yeah, there's a huge yoga scene here. I mean, we've had one of the bigger kind of networks of yoga studios here, which was Yoga Tree and Yoga Works. Unfortunately, they didn't quite survive through the pandemic with all their brick and mortar locations. But, you know, San Francisco has been an epicenter for yoga. And some of the, I think some of the best teachers have been based here. 
certainly some of the more kind of popular global yoga teachers are based here in the Bay Area. And where's that coming from? Is there also like, I mean, San Francisco is obviously also like an economic hub and then Silicon Valley is closed. Is it like because this um, connection there to, um, to business, to the business world is there or? Well, you know, that could be part of the equation, but I, I think something happened somewhere along the line where San Francisco kind of set the bar really high for the caliber and the quality of the instruction. And I think it magnetized folks that were intrigued by that and wanted to be part of that community. And I think we all just kind of continued to elevate each other in this experience and, you know, challenge ourselves to be the best teachers that we can be, the best practitioners, and really try and live and be full on in our practice. So I, I think we hold ourselves accountable and each other and elevate it through that. I love that you say that you use the word elevate. I think that's so fitting. I mean, yeah, there might be all kinds of different reasons. I spend a lot of time in Bali and there are amazing yoga teachers there, but maybe also because the cost of living are so much higher in San Francisco than in Bali. You're just like, um, I mean, you have to look at how to also be an entrepreneur, right? If you want to make a living um, teaching yoga and serving more people and making an impact. Um, and yes, I'm really excited to dive into all that. And especially in how you um, got into teaching yoga online. Um, can you tell us about what it was like when the pandemic started? It feels like forever ago. It's less than two years. <laughs> Back in March 2020, when we all thought, oh, yeah, we're just going to close for a few weeks and then everything is going to be back at normal to normal. And it didn't really work out that way. Um, so what? Um, yeah. So how was that for you? Yeah. Little did we know that this would be a multi-year experience. Um, prior to that, that moment in time, I had never even really fathomed teaching online. You know, for me, so much of the experience is in person, and that's where the real exchange of, you know, yoga comes to life for me, hearing the breath, seeing the body, the conversations, the dialogue where we get to witness each other transform and grow. And so I, you know, it. I think at first I was quite honest, somewhat resistant to teaching online, and it felt more like just kind of a playful experimentation in teaching yoga. And uh, I figured, well, at least why not? That'll give me some purpose and something to do and hopefully be of service to all those that I had been practicing with before. So yeah, I immediately just kind of moved my schedule from the studios to the same schedule online. And at the beginning, you know, nobody had any clue what was going on. It was like, open up Zoom and try and figure out how to plug a microphone in and see if you could actually play any music. And then, you know, were you watching the screen or were you doing the practice? There were, there were so many things to sort out and there were a lot of learnings. And I can honestly say that throughout that journey, I learned so much about not only my own practice, but also teaching and ways to become a better teacher, to be more articulate, 
more succinct, more just conscious with every single word, because it all started to matter so much more when you weren't in the space, you didn't have that collective kind of communal energy holding everyone together. You had to, I had to just really challenge myself to become a better teacher. And so I think it helped me elevate what I was sharing. And I was very grateful for that. I I felt some transformation in what was happening for me. Was it also that you saw yourself, you started to see yourself differently, more like an entrepreneur? Did that happen gradually? Like you're putting up more offers online, uh, maybe also like um, updating your website, um, growing your email list, all those things, all those new tasks, uh, all those new things you have to learn as well. Yeah, I think it was very interesting to all of a sudden not be relying on a yoga studio and management at a yoga studio to facilitate all of this. And I think as teachers and leaders, we had to kind of figure all of that out on our own and figure out how to make it happen. And I, again, learned a ton through doing that. And it was also very empowering to know that, you know, we as teachers could skillfully craft the experience we wanted to craft. We could create the schedule that we wanted to create. We could make sure we were connecting to students in a way that felt authentic to us. And it was not beholden to any particular studio ethos or business sense. It was really kind of what you wanted to create on your own. And I think that was and continues to be a very empowering thing for the modern day yoga teacher who's teaching online now. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love um, that you say empowering. And it's also, I think, all kind of new opportunities that open up, right? Before it was like, okay, you can teach in studios or you can start open up your own yoga studio. And that's been pretty much the options, right? Yeah, that's what we've been <laughs> operating with for a very long time. And this reconfigured everything. And yeah. I think it also had to make studios take a look at how they were compensating teachers, what business model was working for them. And there are plenty of teachers that aren't going to go back to the old model. Did you ever have a did you ever run a yoga studio or in your long No, I, I never ran a studio. I mean I've toyed with the idea only for the idea of creating a space for community. But I'm not, I'm not as interested in kind of the whole back-end business of a yoga studio. I'd rather just share the practice. Yeah, it's definitely a lot, I think. Yeah. And, Have um, you done that? No, no. But I've, um, um, I've been involved with the running of the yoga studio in Bali a little bit for a short time. So I got a little bit of the few behind the scenes, the interim studio manager there for a few weeks. And um, it just like, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it was going, especially there with a lot of, um, lot of staff. And yeah. Um, uh, what did I want to ask? <laughs> and like, I kind of lost my, what do I want? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to go? Um, so pandemic, you started teaching 
online. How did you um, actually reach your students? Did you have their contact? Right? Did you already have like an email list or um, did you just reach out on social media? Did the studios promote your classes? How did you do that? Initially, I mean, I had already had an existing email list uh, with a lot of a lot of students that I've been blessed to serve over the last decade. So I reached out to that. Also, just social media, Facebook and Instagram. And I think that drew people really swiftly because people were kind of in that moment in the beginning, they were looking, you know, they were actively looking for, whoa, where's my community? Where's my practice? Where are the tools and the techniques that are going to help me get through this? And so it wasn't like I was looking for students or really needing to advertise. It was just kind of like a, hey, I'm going to go online and teach a class. If you want to come pop in, do. And yeah, I mean, at the beginning, it was just a huge influx of online participation. It was really incredible to witness. And it was humbling to see how many folks wanted to be part of that. So how many people did you have in your classes? Uh, I mean, some of the bigger ones at the beginning, you know, there were hundreds, which, wow. you know, some teachers have thousands of people in there. And that's just amazing to think about that kind of global sangha, that global community coming together. And it's very special. You know, people that had been on retreats or in trainings with me from all over the world, all of a sudden I could be broadcasting from my home and feel connected to these incredible humans all over the world. I know. Yeah. I love that too, that like I could still practice the yoga teachers in Bali. I mean, for them, it was more challenging. They had more problems with their internet um, connection. Yeah. So um, actually there at Radiantly Alive, they started an online studio, but with pre-recorded classes because it wasn't just, it was not feasible to do live streaming. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but yeah, but they worked around that, right? And made it mm -hmm. work. Um, they built, they created their little studio in Bali and when you watch those videos it's still like you have the jungle atmosphere and you just feel like you're in Bali and yeah it's just like this those new opportunities and it's a little bit of the silver lining I'm really proud of the whole community of yoga teachers how um, they stepped up and embraced like having to learn all those new technologies and things and having to figure out, yeah, like you said, like Zoom and lights and sound and all those different things. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so what happened then? Lockdown was over. <laughs> did you go back to teaching in studio like um, last summer or how did you move on? Well, fortunately, I've been connected for several years and pre-pandemic, I've been connected with an organization called Outdoor Yoga SF, and they do the silent disco headphones style Ooh, yoga. Cool. Yeah. So even, you know, right into the pandemic, I just, I reached out and I thought we got to amp this up. You know, this is an incredible way for us to be able to practice in community safely and outside. And so I was able to do that the entire way through the pandemic, which really, truly kept me afloat, being able to see bodies in real time and see smiles and eyes. That was very heartwarming throughout that journey. And it probably wasn't, yeah, it was probably even a year into it that I even considered stepping back into the studio. And that was stepping back in with masks and uncertainty. 
I really took my time going back in. And even, even now, it still feels somewhat tentative here in mm-hmm. the Bay Area. You know, people are still, I think, a little hesitant to be back in that communal space with breath and bodies and sweat. And I totally get it. Yeah. yeah, it feels weird. I think we all have to really learn to to be close to other people again. <laughs> like the, you know, we do. So it's it's weird. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you know, back in the day, BC before COVID, it would be like you know you'd have it two inches in between each other's mats, and you're sweating on each other, and everybody's just in there breathing the same breath. Yeah. And man, it's going to change everything. I don't yeah. know what it'll feel like moving forward. Yeah, that's really weird. I think it's going to to go back to normal. I think it wasn't the first pandemic the humanity survived. But it's but at the same time, I believe that there are so many factors of practicing online, like convenience. Um, you don't have to commute anywhere. Not everybody has a studio close by, and sometimes you only have like an hour or 45 minutes and you know, like it really saves time to practice at home. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's so busy. So I think it's like, um, hopefully peacefully to co- coexist. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. like what I envision. Um, so at the moment, I think you're still really teaching online and you have a membership and can you tell us everything like how you set up your online yoga business? Yeah, for sure. Um, And just so you know, I have started to shift away from the online stuff quite a bit because for me, the richness, as I mentioned, is being in person. Um, So I am starting to kind of shift back in the other direction. But to continue to stay connected with folks in the online world, I'm offering one online class per month. It's a very special class. I have a live musician play music. It's restorative. It's just a very sweet way to drop in. And then I've also started to record a ton of online classes and also keep some of the previous online classes and just put them into a library. And now I have probably 200 online classes that are just available anytime, anywhere. And you can either drop in and pay for one class, or if you'd like, you can do a monthly membership and I think what you have now at your fingertips for, you know, anybody out there is like a ton of content. You can go find a class that's two minutes long or 90 minutes long. If you want a candlelight flow or a power vinyasa, if you want a restorative, whatever you're looking for, I've tried to like make a really robust catalog so that people have full access to whatever they may need in the moment. Because ultimately, you know, I think. I'm hoping that this new evolution in teaching and bringing it online empowers students to say, actually, tonight, I need a restorative class or, man, I really need to kick my butt today. I want like a fiery flow. And so instead of just being like, well, I only have my neighborhood studio and they teach a level two, three Hatha class. Now you can do whatever you want. You know, you can go Mm -hmm. grab any class, anytime. And I hope it empowers students to be discerning with what they need to support their journey. It's a little bit like Netflix, right? So it's not about <laughs> watching TV anymore where you have the channel with the fixed times. Now you have to yeah. go on there and spend an hour like deciding what to watch. 
Well, that's, yeah, that's the next problem. Now it's like, oh God, what class do I want to do? Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, or with coffee, the same Starbucks started that. Where <laughs> do you want yeah. to like coffee black or white? No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 10 decisions you have to make before you even had your first coffee. <laughs> yeah, which is so interesting. And on that note, you know, I've I've continued to make my messaging clear. You know, if you're curious about what kind of class would suit you, or if you want to like, if you want some help structuring a week long kind of yoga routine, just reach out, just let me know. I'm here to kind of help you skillfully set something in place that will feel sustainable for you and also, you know, challenge you in the right ways and not overwhelm you with, oh my God, today, I don't know what class I'm going to pick, but here are some good options. Yeah. Yeah. And not too many people take me up on it, but those that do, I'm always so happy to serve and share Mm. that. You know, help them create a, a weekly cadence that is in support of their practice. Um, what I also love about this um, idea of creating this yoga content library that you that you can create classes and workshops that are maybe not as popular, that you wouldn't set up as a workshop in a big studio because it wouldn't attract the crowds, right? Like, I don't know, pranayama or meditation classes or something quieter that's not as exciting as like your typical vinyasa class. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. And I think that's another empowering thing for teachers that have perhaps in the past felt like I need to do something that's a crowd pleaser. I need to do something that will draw people. And now they could, you know, from the comfort of their own home, record a class that is near and dear to their heart. And I think when we're all doing that, when we're all sharing what is authentic to us, it's perfect. That's all the world is asking. That's all they want of us. You know, what's real and alive for you? Last night I got home and I was feeling nice and mellow. And I thought, oh, I'm going to record a candlelight, like super chill flow for people where they don't even have to do a standing pose or even a down dog. And it was, you know, it was alive for me. And I just, I love that because I hope that will translate and people can say, oh, cool. That's exactly what I needed. Do you still have like the setup? So you don't have to, so you have like your little home studio where everything is set up. So you just can go on the mat and start teaching or? Yeah, I do. Um, very blessed to have uh, another spare bedroom in our <laughs> little home. And it's since COVID, it's been our yoga studio and also the recording studio. So it is, it's already set up. Everything's easy, plug and play. And if you feel like capturing something, it's very easy. Do you want, do you feel, um, okay, do you want to share a little bit about your setup? Like what tech do you use? Um, what works really good for best for you? Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty low tech, to be honest. Uh, I just have a, a nice Logitech streaming webcam um, that picks up the picture quite well. One thing I've noticed, and this is just from my own perspective, but it's not as much about the actual quality of the picture and everything. Like if people are resonant with what you're doing, they don't care if it's, you know, this many megapixels or that many megapixels. They want the transmission of your practice and what you're up to. So yeah, I got a nice webcam. Um, in terms of a microphone, I actually use a, a nice room mic. It's a Zoom H6. 
and it's a mid-side mic, so it picks up a nice kind of wide stereo field, and I don't have to wear a microphone, which for me is quite nice to be in the practice. And I feel like it also picks up kind of the tonal quality of the room and makes us feel like we're in the same space together. Uh, and then I recently started adding music, but I used to just do classes without music so that we all actually had to hear our breath and pay more attention to that. And yeah, as of the last six to eight months, I decided to put some music back in. Do you use interval for the music or do you play? Um, and then you can just share. Um, connect, uh, I, um... Yeah, so I actually just am using Zoom to record the classes and I'm okay. just playing the computer audio and it records that into Zoom. Um, but yeah, Interval has that amazing feature where you can actually you know, yeah. start the playlist and then students can see the songs in the playlist. They can control the the fader for the volume of the music versus the instructor. It's a very cool function. I just haven't really taken the time to fine tune that yet. So when you move now to more teach um, in person, in real life, um, do you plan to record like any special workshops you do and maybe teach them live and use the recording for your for your library of online sales or yeah it's that's a great question here's where i've landed in terms of teaching just a public class i'm totally cool um, most of the studios are now in a hybrid model meaning they're live streaming it and the class is happening in person yep. and some of them actually share the recordings after the fact i'm totally cool with that in terms of like a normal public class When it comes to workshops, I don't want to have to cater to the camera. I want to be fully connected to the people in front of me. And so I've felt myself be less inclined to record workshops or like retreats or any of those special moments where people have made the very intentional efforts to show up in person and share that connection. At some point, Maybe I'll consider that, but for now it feels way more alive to let that be spontaneous in the moment and that's it. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I think it's like, yes, yeah, this fine line. I think there's still there's still some room for experimentation where it's all going to go. Um mm -hmm. I've joined some yoga classes here in my yoga studio in, in Hamburg in Germany that were live and then streamed online so i joined online and then you didn't even see the teacher you just heard their voice and they had one of the um students basically was modeling <laughs> um like doing this so you could watch them do the yoga poses some of the advanced students they asked to do to fill that spot um and so you didn't really see what else was going on in the room and you just heard the voice of the teacher um which suddenly becomes super super important obviously <laughs> Mm -hmm. and but it's it's also a connection yeah it's a different it's a different way uh i think it helped you it helped me to focus so you're not distracted by them walking around doing things seeing everybody what are they doing how is just she looking or something <laughs> so you just have yeah. that one person that you can watch doing the yoga poses if you need that and otherwise you just listen yeah so Yeah, I, I mean, right. I just, why I asked that about workshops was because I love that idea that all that amazing content actually lives on. 
I know I, I share that with you. I totally get it. And for me, there is something so profound about letting it be transient, letting mm-hmm. it be in that moment and serving that moment so sweetly and not worrying about it being captured forever. Because truth be told, you know, this is only an assumption, but that moment was sweet because of what everything that was happening in that space with each other in that moment. And it may translate in a recording. It may not. I don't yeah. know. And for me, I love that content just being present, mm. super present in that moment and not, not having to worry about what it's going to look like later, but just the beauty unfolding in that second. Yeah, maybe it's like um, going to a live concert, which is always going to happen and exist even when we have like our phones where we could listen to the to the album like immediately and all the time. Yeah. Right. What do you think about people then using, you know, like, I don't know, it's like it got insane that everybody still thinks they have to record everything in the workshops and trainings. Do you allow that? Do you ask people not to use their phones or how do you manage that? I, I simply pose the, I pose the question that like, if this is going to take you away from the present moment, you trying to record it and think you're going to get something from this later, if that's going to take you away from right now, then maybe reconsider. Because in each moment, like what needs to land is going to land. And maybe what you're not ready for can kind of just go by the wayside for now. But what seeds need to be planted? Like if you pay attention, if you're super cognizant in the present moment, then soak that up. Because I think that's what you needed to hear in that moment. And maybe you'll go back and listen and find some other gems. But most often, it's just it's happening in this connection right here mm. yeah that's beautifully said I, i i mean you know i don't want to judge it because i think everybody is in that same situation that you know like we all we all live in this world with our phones on all the time so and it's really difficult to to free yourself from that it's challenging yeah. it's addictive it so, is yeah right so, and even even old school you know like when we're when i'm hosting work- workshops or retreats or part of trainings and you know people are just they're only on their notepad and they're just mm. like writing down everything writing down everything and we get that we miss that moment where our eyes connect or where we see a subtle shift in our interaction you know then it's only it's To me, it can only be knowledge. It can only be some kind of intellectual stimulation rather than an experience of wisdom shared. So it's just, it's something to consider. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely interesting where it's all going to be like in five years or something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like or virtual reality. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do Glasses, we do when yeah. everything everywhere is always recorded? then will we even access it or will we get so bored knowing that it's there and mm. just eventually kind of strip all that away and come back to the roots of it all? I don't know. It's crazy to think about it. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, 
um, as, you know, like, as long as we're still human and um, as long as we're still allowed to be close to each other, I think there's always going to be this real life interaction. Um, yeah. At, at least. I um, hope, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, do you still, um, so you said, yeah, yeah. So you're moving to more real life. And then you still have your content library and your monthly workshops online. Anything else you plan to do? Like, what's the focus of your business now? Right now, I'm I'm most focused on the real experience of being in person. I just got back from a retreat in Panama. And granted, there were so many hoops and loops and logistical things to jump through for everyone to get there safe and sound. But once we did and people could take off their mask and people could be in person and community and chant together and breathe together and flow together, I think that experience is so crucial right now for people just remembering and getting a chance to reset the nervous system and replenish and rejuvenate. And I'm, I'm focused on that. Those are the sweetest They're the highlights for me of all of this. Like when we come together and everyone becomes a teacher and everyone shares their journey and their wisdom, something happens, you know, the zeitgeist, something bigger than the little parts and pieces in our individual lives, but something collectively transforms us all. There's an incarnation of everybody there. So I'm, I'm shifting on creating more experiences like that, more opportunities for that. And then I think in addition to that, you know, recording all the live classes and having them available for people is a cool way to stay connected in between those moments. You know, when we're actually not in person to say, I'm going to go back and do that, do a class right now, because I want to remember and I want to come back and reconnect. So I, I just love knowing that the online library continues to become more robust and more built out for everyone to access at any point, any time, so that when they can't come to Panama or Montana or Mexico or wherever we may go next, that they can still feel some connection. I love that. I mean, the online part, it could also be like a little bit of a safety net for you, right? Just in, you get old, just you know, like in case you get sick or something happens and you can't teach in person, you still have that part of your business. Which yeah, that's interesting. I didn't really think about, you know, if I couldn't go to the studio for a moment that I could like live stream from home and still have that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I really, um, I, I, you know, like I teach people how to build an online business. I'm not against teaching life or life experiences. I love yoga retreats and the connection. I just love the idea of emerging it and of finding a way for both to coexist and to have a business with all those different kind of things that you can do. It's not to choose one or the other. It's just like, yeah, mm -hmm. I love how you do it. Like yeah, that you, that you, um, realize like okay this is where i really want to focus on right now or in the near mm -hmm. future i mean you're like that's already you it's that you already know what you want to do and you still have a way um you're still not you're not saying i'm closing it all down and you're like um it's not available anymore but you found a way okay i'm still going to add content to my on demand on my, on, to my membership, to my yoga library. And, um, and I might, I will do that in the future, but for now, and the focus is on real life 
yes, I just love that. I just love that awareness and that um, sense of serving all kinds of different needs, of really serving your community in different ways and yourself as well, your soul. And in, in the end, yeah. you have to find, you know, you have to do what feeds your soul, what really brings you joy. Otherwise, you can't build an online business, a successful online business. You don't really want to do that. If it doesn't bring you joy, it's never going to work out. And yeah. Well, yeah, I feel very grateful to be able to do something that I love. Yeah. And share that with the world. And I mean, that's such a blessing in itself, whether it's in person or online, it doesn't matter to me, you know. I sat down and recorded that class last night out of joy, you know, like real joy in my heart because there was something I wanted to share. And I led the retreat with supreme joy. And that's, it's a true blessing. It's also a privilege and an honor to be able to be in kind of that mindset, you know, it's yeah. it's not available for everyone yet. And but now, now I have to to to, um, to dive in there, and I, to, I mean, you know, I have a lot of my listeners. They're just new yoga teachers, and um, and I mean, you know, I'm also an entrepreneur. I I believe in following what brings you joy. I mean, like this is called the Blissful Bliss podcast, and you know, I believe in the blissful part of it. Um, but at the same time. I mean, you know, I used to be a project manager. I believe in systems and in using tools and um, and sometimes in tapas discipline. So um, how does that work for you? Do you really only follow like what brings you joy, what really feels aligned? Or do you also have things where you say, okay, I don't, maybe I don't love it. Like, I don't know, social media or whatever, but I still do it. It's part of my part of my schedule or part of my um, weekly things that I somehow get done? <laughs> That's a great question and huge <laughs> topic to explore. Um, I'll, I'll start by telling you a little bit of my background. I worked with Pandora, the online music company, for about five plus years. And while working with them heavily in a content-related role as a content creator and producer, I learned a whole lot about systems and logistics and making it very efficient and optimized so that the work could get done in a good way. And Sorry, that's like our little footstock <laughs> <laughs> here. Hi, watchdog. Hey. Oh my gosh. So adorable. <laughs> wow. Oh, he's so cute. It's Luna. Hi, Luna. Oh, wow. Beautiful pup. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, sorry for the interruption, so, everybody. <laughs> that's great. Always a puppy intervention is welcome. Um, yeah, that, that job really helps build the skills so that I would have the discipline and the tapas to stay focused. You know, if I, if I only followed my joy, I would not be able to do the things that bring me the real joy. I would kind of be stuck in like the lower level grinding of just logistical things, but it all needs to get done and it needs to get done efficiently. Like I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to like hem and haw and like 
procrastinate. I like, I want to, I'm one of my skills is putting a list together and knocking it out so that then I can go surf or then I can go do whatever else brings me, you know, joy and keeps me connected so that I can show up as a teacher and show up full and present. Now you speak my language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, good. Speaking of interventions, we've got the the lawnmower out here. I don't hear anything yet. So <laughs> Okay, that's good. Um, but yeah, but it really does. That, that, and yeah, but that's, I just wanted people to realize that, right, it's not only about, um, yeah, following um, what feels good. <laughs> no, you got to, you have to, it helps when you have the awareness to know what you're work is that is not just like the quote unquote blissful part of it and to be able to do it efficiently and also with zest knowing that you know it's important like when i sit down to do the logistical things for retreats the communications with students and guests i do it with like absolute clarity and attentiveness and presence it's not like oh i gotta just trudge through this and just get it done and just kind of rush through I take my time and I do it really well and then I can move on and you know when we have that presence and that mindfulness with everything that we do then I dare say that it can all be blissful if you're connected to it all because bliss doesn't mean just like happy happy joy joy bliss is like I'm present with what's happening I'm alive and I'm awake and I do that when I'm typing an email for somebody that just signed up for a retreat, you know, let them know they are seen and that I'm so thrilled that they're coming, like super connected in every part of this business. I love that. That's very, very beautifully said. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's really helpful for a lot of new yoga teachers or even more experienced yoga teachers for all my listeners. So thank you. Um, so where can people go to learn more about you, to practice with you, to join your workshops and retreats? Yeah, just come on over to mattkendall.com. It's N-A-T-K-E-N-D-A-L-L. Uh, you can find everything that I'm up to on my website. You can find all the classes that are in the library. You'll find out about retreats. And if you really, really want to dive in, come to a retreat. And uh, we'll all just kind of blow our minds together and dive into the practice and soak up the bliss. And then we can stay connected beyond that through all the channels, you know. Thank That's the best you. way to find me. I add the link to the show notes as well. Do you also do retreats in Europe? or? There's talk of that, but I haven't yet. Yeah, if you have any ideas, let me know. I'll be there. <laughs> My retreat organization days are over. That was my first online business. I had a retreat directory. So Really? Yeah. It's not online wow. anymore. <laughs> okay. I imagine that was a lot of work and a lot of logistics and communication. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. I, I especially getting all the pictures. It was like my yoga porn. <laughs> <laughs> That's I hilarious. I said that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. We're on air and you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so funny uh yeah but um no now i'm really focused on um my um yoga marketing business i love it 
So I'm really so excited to work with all my students and help them build a profitable online business. Mm. Great, great. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy you're doing that. I hope it is in service to all. You know, sometimes new yoga teachers are just like scrambling and looking around trying to get more students and acquire and attain and like think that they need to be somebody else. And it sucks. It's too much pressure. If you find a way to nourish yourself and sustain yourself so that you can teach from your heart, not so that you're trying to market yourself or advertise and attract all the students in the world and get more Instagram followers. But if you can find a way to really, truly teach from your heart, then I believe that the doors will open up for you. So I just, sorry, little caveat, but find a way to nourish and take care of yourself so that you don't have to run around looking for everything you think you need to attain. No, I love that. That's so important. And yeah, it's like, I always want to find my students really I want to help them find what really lights them up because then it also gets easier to market it and to build a business because I want them also to have like a sustainable income, right? And not have to struggle because they're running from studio class to studio class. So, um, yeah, but it's, of, of course, it's about finding, like focusing on on what lights you up on what you love doing on that first. Yeah. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. I think when we compromise the teachings at all, just trying to make something quote unquote successful, I think we've completely missed the mark. Yeah. And the teachings, you know, aparigraha, the teachings remind us to be ready to let go, to soften, to stay vast and spacious, and not hold on too tightly to any expectations. And when you can demonstrate that as a leader and as a facilitator and as a teacher, students just want to be held in that and know that, okay, cool. Like nobody's holding on to me. I'm just, I am free to ebb and flow with this practice and these teachings. We I all think try. it's a freedom. We all yeah. Try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation and meeting you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to get to Europe. (laughs) We would love to have you here. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blissful Biz Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This would mean the world to me. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss a new episode. To learn more about how to work with me one-on-one, my courses and membership, or to get instant access to freebies, workshops, and more, go to susannoreike.com right now. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Hey there, interrupting for a short announcement. I'm hosting a virtual bootcamp to help you kickstart your online business from May 6th to May 10th. And I would love to see you there. It's the make your first or next 
$5,000 online bootcamp and you can save your spot for this free virtual event when you go to my website, susannereicher.com forward slash bootcamp. That's S-U-S-A-N-N-E-R-I-E-K-E-R.com forward slash bootcamp. I'm going to go live every day from Monday to Friday with a live training on how to elevate your vision, choose your profitable niche, amplify your content, nail down your signature offer to make your first or next $5,000. I can't believe how freaking fun, valuable and powerful this virtual event is going to be. You'll get five live stream trainings, all of the recordings in case you can't make it live or need to leave early, access to my new community, the Midlife Biz Hive, including tons of additional trainings for you to dive in, the chance to ask any questions in our calls or in the community. It'll be amazing. This event is a real game changer, whether you're just starting out or you've been at it for a while, but feeling a bit stuck around the maybe $2,000 to $3,000 monthly mark. If you're eager for more and ready to figure out the online business puzzle, this is the perfect place to kickstart your journey to bigger and better results.